Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. We've been in this series on being set free from internal bondage. Our foundation passage is John 8:31. If you abide in my word, then you're truly my disciple and you will know the truth. And the truth that's in my word will set you free. We began to discover how do we get in this place? How did we get, because we say this every week, and this is our seventh week in this series, every one of us has pockets of internal bondage. You may not even realize it, but it's there. And as long as we're in this body, we have certain things that we believe or tend to believe that are not true. And we have emotional responses and choices that operate out of those things. Because until we fully walk abiding in the Word of God, then there are elements that of things that are not true that we tend to believe and are not even aware of it. How do we get in this place? Well, we inherited the tendency to that from Adam and Eve. And over these seven weeks, we go back to our passage in Genesis chapter 3. And just by way of review, and don't get nervous, I've given you an outline of all of these, but we're just going to emphasize a portion of the outline on shame today because we are not quite finished with that. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, hmm, he said to the woman. Now, Revelation reveals to us that that old serpent is the devil. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat out of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So she had heard the word. The serpent said to her, verse 4, you, shall, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and even. In other words, Eve, God is, and by the way, he should have said even Adam as well, because Adam was standing right there with her, according to verse 6. You will not surely die. God is trying to withhold something good from you. God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate and gave it to her husband with her and he ate. <coughs> so what do we see here so far? The devil is a liar. He is planting lies in somebody who doesn't even have a sin nature yet. He is speaking lies. Does the devil still speak today? Has he lost his voice? 
It is absolutely amazing that a lot of people will say, well, I'm not so sure the Lord speaks, but almost everybody says, yeah, the devil, he speaks, that's for sure. But does he really? Well, there's no indication from Scripture, just by way of doctrine, there's no indication from Scripture that he has changed. The fact of the matter is, he spoke to Jesus verbally, did he not? He spoke to Adam and Eve verbally, did he not? There are, other, there are other indications that the devil speaks verbally. In fact, Jesus said in John 8, 44, You are of your father the devil, who is a liar and the father of all lies. When he speaks, present tense, when he speaks, he speaks out of his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. We know according to Revelations that the devil is an accuser of the brethren. You hear his voice accusing you and your inner man. Your mind hears the accusations of the devil. Oh, you're not any count. You'll never get through this. You know, it's all your fault. It's never going to be any different. All kind of things. The devil still speaks. There's no doubt about that. But understand that when he speaks, he speaks lies, and he came to Adam and Eve in, with questions, and then an accusation, God is trying to withhold something good for you. And so when the woman saw that it made her feel good and taste good, she said, can I ask you something? <clears throat> what is it that the devil is saying to me and to you that is opposed to what God is saying to me and to you. Oh, it's all right. It's going to be okay. You can do that. It's it's okay. God is so loving and merciful. Uh, Look, sin is not okay with God because it's a violation of grace. That doesn't mean he doesn't forgive us and is merciful, but it's when, when we understand, here's our problem. We don't understand that the boundaries that the Lord gives us are for our benefit. Not to deprive us of something good, but for our benefit, because God said, if you eat this, you will die. And the devil said, you're not going to die. And people have said, well, the truth is Adam and Eve didn't die. Yes, they did. The life of God that was in their inner man was unplugged. It took many years for their body to die, but their real inner life, death came. And there was separation. So the enemy's method of operation is to plant lies to deceive us into what? What was, what was the devil's deception? You don't have to submit to God. You can have dominion over this garden. You can have even more than he's given you. You don't have to submit to God and do things his way. That's not necessary. That was the lie. Here's the lie. You can have dominion without submission. And the moment we begin to believe the lies of the evil one, we begin to lose intimacy with the Lord. The lack of intimacy with the Lord is the root of every one of our issues. If I'm walking in intimacy with the Lord, then nothing takes dominion over me. But when I lose intimacy with the Lord, 
Things, get in, things take dominion over me. I get anxious, I get nervous, I get fearful. I start acting in pride. I get angry, I blame other people. Why? Because I'm losing intimacy with the Lord. The root of all my brokenness, and I'll bet it's yours too, is the loss of intimacy with the Lord. And understand how that happens. We begin to believe lies. Now, the devil doesn't always tell you a direct lie. Many times he uses the world system that you operate in. The Bible says that the whole world lies under the influence of the evil one. Sometimes the devil uses somebody in your life, maybe that person is close to you, maybe they're not close to you, to be the carrier of a lie. Sometimes God has given some of you a promise, but people close to you will say, I don't know whether that will ever happen. The devil is not only a speaker of lies, he has a network to get us to begin to believe lies. And that is, we begin to say, I can take care of my own life. I can make any decision I choose to, and it'll be okay. After all, God loves me. He'll be merciful to me. He'll take care of me. And what we begin to do is we begin to believe the lie that we can be sovereign over our own life. And that's the epitome of what Adam and Eve were doing. They were saying, we don't have to submit to have dominion. Do you have, do you have dominion over everything in your life? Do you have dominion over your finances? God says the top and the first portion of that's His. And if you don't honor the top part, then you can do that, but the, the devourer and the, and the curse will be there on what? Because you're trying to be sovereign over what He's given you. Are you trying to be sovereign over your marriage? Are you trying to fix everything and everybody? Do you understand that nobody belongs to you? The Bible says you don't even belong to yourself. You've been bought with a price. Are you trying to fix your children? They don't belong to you. They're a gift. You're a steward, but not an owner. When you start trying to be sovereign over something over which you have not been given, what happens? Bondage. Bondage. The lie is you can have dominion. You can do it your way and it'll be okay. Instead of submitting, you can't have dominion without submission. So we talked about the pride, and then we talked about, we talked about lose, believing the lie, losing intimacy with the Lord, the pride that comes from that. And then the fear. We talked about how the response to Adam and Eve the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, made themselves coverings, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Who was pursuing? I didn't say who was fleeing. Who was pursuing? The Father. So notice that shame and fear came in right away. 
We talked about this in one of our sessions that Adam, when God wanted him to come to grips with his stuff, his issues, he first blamed the woman, his wife. And then next, he blamed God. You gave her to me. It's really your fault. We talked about not only pride, we talked about fear, we talked about anger and blame, and then we began to talk about shame, but shame is such a powerful negative force. It has such a residual. It stays on the inside of us so long. And what does it do? It makes, it makes us feel guilty, condemned, distant, dirty, and you can get a little relief for a little while, but if you don't ever really deal with shame, you won't have ongoing victory. It'll just be temporary. And what we tend to do when we deal with shame is, and, and, and look, understand this, that shame can come from different places. Shame can come from something I did that I regret, I wish I hadn't done. Or a collection of those things. Shame can come from something somebody else did to you. That was hurtful and illegitimate and wrong. Shame can also just come straight from the devil. The Bible says he is an accuser of the brethren, I remind you that the Word says that the brethren are holy, righteous, and beloved in the sight of God, accepted, and redeemed, and forgiven. Shame can come from any and all of those three sources, and it usually gangs up on us. It's a huge, huge en enemy of intimacy. And remember, lack of intimacy is the heart of all our brokenness. Shame is a huge enemy. The Father was pursuing them. I know some of you think, well, what I've been through, what I'm going through, or even what I've done, shame is so deep in me, I don't know how I could ever be released from its effects. I want to tell you something I told you last week. You, listen, are you listening to me? You could not have remotely come close to the perpetual ongoing damage that Adam and Eve inflicted on all of us yet the father pursued them your father is pursuing you he's pursuing you don't get locked down in shame where you won't listen. We talked about last time how to walk free of shame we needed revelation of Jesus in the cross. How he bore our shame in his own body. Everything that you and I have ever done that is a root or a, a, a hold, a hook of shame Jesus took it on himself. Turn women to Romans chapter 6 quickly. Romans chapter 6.
in the eyes of God, verse 3, chapter 6 of Romans, do you not know that as many as of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Look at verse 5. We have been united together in the likeness of his death, and certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man, everybody say, who I used to be, who I am right now, apart from Christ, was crucified with him, that the body of sin might have its power broken off of me, that I would not be a slave of sin anymore. Do you know that all those things that accumulate and cause shame, Jesus took on himself and that you were represented at the cross? Now I go to the right to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is where we left off at the end of last time. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're talking about how do I personally, practically walk free of shame. Number one, I got to get revelation that Jesus bore my shame at the cross. We talked about that in detail last time. I've got to get revelation of grace, how he sees me. I've got to stop believing that he is mad at me, that he is distant from me. Regardless of how you feel, he has not left you. The word of God is what is true. Your own feelings are subject to error. Where is the final authority in my life and yours? If it's not the Word of God, then we'll always be wandering around deceived. God, give us revelation of your grace. Understand this. Everybody say this with me. God saw me before I was ever born. He saw every choice I was ever going to make. He saw every issue that was in my life. And he chose me out of his love and his mercy and his grace. And he is still pursuing me right now. Oh, God, that we would get revelation. As Dr. Kurt Walters told me the other day, he and I meet for lunch once a month. God gave him this marvelous revelation. And he said, you know, it, 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 God's revealed to me that he created the universes, and astronomers now say this, there is many planets as there are grains of sand on the earth. There are vast infinity of planets and stars, the God who exists outside of time, who is before time, in time, and outside of time. That God is absolutely giving me his undivided attention right now. He knows the hairs of your head are numbered. He knows every thought you're going to think before you think it. Read Psalm 139 again. He knows every time you stand up and sit down. All your ways are acquainted with him. And he is paying attention to you 24-7. It is a lie to think that he has gone off and left. Grace is greater than sin. God, give us a revelation of the truth. At some point, we're going to have to stand up and say, I believe the Word of God more than I believe my own feelings, my own thoughts. This is final authority in my life. We found out as we looked into the Scriptures that God has expunged your sin from the record in Jesus Christ. 
Hebrews 10, 16 makes it clear. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 makes it clear that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. And verse 21 says that God took Jesus' righteousness and gave it to you when he took your sin and put them on Jesus. So God give us revelation of it. And then at the end, last time we talked about the power of a practical step called renouncement. For whatever reason, this is a strange word in Christian's vocabulary, and it shouldn't be. In chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, we see the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That is, that we're being transformed into the glory of God, verse 13. We're being transformed into the glory of God, I'm sorry, verse 18, by the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible calls that a ministry. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is transforming us into the image and likeness of Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 1, therefore, since we have this ministry, that is, since the Holy Spirit is in us, transforming us into the image and likeness of Jesus, as we have received mercy, all mercy, we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Mercy is yours. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is yours. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. When are you going to renounce your shame? How do I do that? By the ministry of the Holy Spirit. By the authority of the Word of God. That is, when that shame comes into your consciousness, you've got to rise up by the ministry of the Holy Spirit and by your stand on abiding in the Word of God and say, I declare that the Word of God says that when Jesus died, so did I. I declare that the Word says that I am now His righteousness, and I will act like it by the grace of God. I declare that the Word of God is true, and regardless of the way I think, feel, or even act, the truth is what God says it is. And you know what you got to do? The word renounce means, remember last time we said, oriron in the Greek, it means to to dismiss by a formal declaration. you got to say something. You can't just sit there and think it. Thought against thought is going to have a, a, a collision. Words take authority over thoughts. you gotta, you got to stand up, get somewhere with you and God, and you declare, I declare the Word of God is true, that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That God says, I'm holy and righteous and blameless before Him in love. And by His grace, I'll act like it. By the, by the power and the strength He gives me, I will choose in line with the, with the grace of God. My, His grace is not a license for me to keep on staying broken. His grace is the opportunity and the power to step out of that shame and that brokenness. you got to say something. Don't we, don't we say a lot, oh, I don't know about that, I'm not doing so good. Don't we say a lot, I don't know if I could ever do that. When are we going to get hold of the truth of God's Word and dismiss by a formal, to renounce means, I declare this does not have authority over my life. It is buried in the blood of Jesus. It is expunged from the memory of God. I will not allow it to hold me in bondage anymore. 
to speak away by formal declaration. Well, I just feel so weird when I say things like that, Pastor. That's, the reason, that, that's because we're so far off. If the Word of God's true, how far off are we if that feels weird to speak what He says? But there's also another thing to practically, and this is where we didn't get to last time. It's called the renovation of the mind. And don't get worried. I'm not going any farther than this. Turn with me to James, I'm sorry, to Hebrews 4, verse 11 and 12. Not only do we, have, we need revelation of Jesus and He represented us and took our shame to the cross. Not only do we need to get practically involved in the obedient practice of renouncing those things hidden in shame, breaking their power over us by the power of the truth. But we got some work to do. It's called renovation of the mind. We'll get there in just a minute. Hebrews 4, 11 and 12 tells us the authority and the power by which we're going to get the, the, the renovation of our mind. Chapter 4 Verse 12, let's just go to verse 12. The Word of God, that is the spoken and written Word of God, is full of life and full of power. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I've got to begin to invest the Word. Look, this is not going to happen automatically. Nobody can do this for you. You've got to make an investment. You've got to make an investment in the Word of God. It won't just happen. The Word of God, the reason it works is because in the, inherent in the Word of God is life and power. God's life and God's power is in His Word. And it has the power to break the grip of shame and pride and all this other bondage that we have vestiges of. The Word of God has the power. We say, well, Pastor, I just get lost trying to read the Word of God. Did you hear what I said a few weeks ago? When Josh Black told me you ought to be putting this on podcast and Pastor Wayne has got it out there, it's got all the outline. It's got all this word to remind you. It'll come straight to your cell phone or your iPhone. All you got to do is do it. And the reason you don't do it is because you don't really feel like it's necessary. Because you will do what you think is essential. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. I want a pastor to speak loving things. Well, that was love right there because I want to see you free. Find you somewhere, some, some in investment in the Word of God. It's available in a lot of different places. It has the life and power of God in it. Now, let's close it up here today by looking at this, Romans 12. Renovation. See, we have work to do to break the power of shame and all these other bondages in our life. Romans chapter 12. Chapter 
Chapter 11 talks about the incredible, incredible mercy of God. In chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. See, it's your Father who's pursuing you in mercy that you present your body, that is what your, your suit, the earth suit that you have right now, present your body a living sacrifice. He doesn't want dead animals. Can I tell you something? Stop listening to your flesh. That old man's dead. Stop listening to a dead man. It'll lie to you. It'll bring up memories and tell you that this is the way it's always going to be. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't allow the lies that are in this world to, to take authority in your life. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The word for transformed there is the word metamorphosis in the Greek. It, you studied it in eighth grade science. It is undergoing a process of change. It is what happens to a caterpillar on its way into becoming a butterfly. It is, listen, start where you are. Start where you are. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. The word for renewal in the Greek, in the heart of the Greek word, is renovation. You renovated anything? Anybody gone through some renovation? You heard the pastor's wife giggling. We're in some of that right now, and it is no fun. Can I tell you, the renewing of your mind is no fun. No, I can tell you it's the most powerful thing going, and it is, but it is no fun. Renovation means you've got to look at some stuff that's already there. Are you dealing with your stuff? We're never going to have our mind renovated until we deal with our stuff. And I want to tell you right now, God is supernaturally attracted, proud, and supernaturally pursuing those who will deal with their stuff. And He is grieved by those who in self-righteousness think they don't have any stuff. The renovation. I've got to look at what's there that ought, that's got to be torn out. So here's what I invite you to do. I'm not having any fun with this prayer, so I want you to join it as well. Holy Spirit, show me those areas in my own mind where I, I'm believing lies. Show me those areas where I'm grieving you. Show me those areas that have got to be torn down by the authority of the Spirit and the Word of God. It may be memories. It may be present habits. Whatever it is, show me, Lord. Show me, show me, show me. And I will agree with you and cooperate with you. 
Renovation. I've got to come to grips with what's already there. I've got to come to grips with that anger. I've got to come to grips with that, that lust or that greed or that anxiety. I've got to come to grips with all of that. Renovation. I've got to be willing to see where I'm broken and where it's got to be ripped out. Now, I want to say something here. That is usually not a quick, short fix. I want to say something else here. God is attracted to those who will get involved in spirit-led ongoing counseling. I know some of you are listening to these people on TV and everything that tell you if you just get right with God, you don't have to do anything. You just listen to Him. You don't ever need anything like that. That's a lie. And I'll tell you one reason why. God calls Jesus not just a mighty Father. He calls Him a wonderful counselor. Do you know that God calls the Holy Spirit a counselor? then why would we believe that there are not men and women called to serve in that type ministry? Listen, renovation, tearing out some of those old things, but you got to deal with it. Dean and I bought a property not long ago, and we got in there and found out it's nasty. It's broken under the surface. Stuff's leaking. It is painful and expensive, but you got to deal with your stuff to ever have what God wants to do. On the inside. It's renovation. The renewing, the renovation of your mind. How? How do you do that? Oh, I just sing a little, pray a little. I try to do more good acts than I do bad. Ah, that's not going to cut it. Look at what the scripture says. The renew, the be con don't be conformed to this world. Be being transformed. It's a process by the renovation of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Are y'all listening to me? God didn't say it's good and, and perfect when you finally get it all right. God says it's the good and perfect will of God when you get involved in the process of metamorphosis, of renovation. When you get in the process of renovation, that's when God says it's good. It's good. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. Do whatever it takes for the Lord and for the Lord to use whoever he chooses 
to help you in this process of breaking the grip of shame so you stop living your life in regret. Shame is a huge enemy of intimacy. You can't fix yourself. We are to cooperate with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Can I tell you something else? The New Testament never, never supposes that you're going to be able to operate alone and get the renovation of your mind or for you to become a mature believer in the Lord. You're never going to make it by yourself. When you were born again, God put you into a body of other believers. You're not going to make it by yourself. I don't care how spiritual you think you are, you are not going to make it. Walking out, freedom from bondage is always best done in the context of community. It is never effective in the context of isolation. So what does that say about shame? Sooner or later, I'm going to have to expose my stuff. Before the Lord and before those that the Lord designates to help me. Well, I can do it before the Lord, but God, to, to submit to somebody God designates to help me, I don't know if I can do that. You know why we would think that? Because of bondage number one, pride. I don't want anybody to know I got these issues. Can I tell you something? Listen, 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 listen. Those who really love you will love you even if they know about your stuff. And if you think somebody really loves you and they find out about your stuff and they leave you, they never really loved you to begin with. Not really. I want to close with this one reminder. Your Father is attracted to you if you will humble yourself and go before Him and get involved in this process, not only of renouncing, but of the renovation of your mind. Lord, help me do the work to say, God, that thought's not yours. I've got to learn to take every thought captive to your obedience by your power. I can't do it on my own. But I expose this to the truth of the Word. Help me to have a greater investment of the truth of your Word in my life. Whether I do that through music, through the spoken Word, through my own meditation. However it is, Lord, in Jesus' name, give me the grace to do it. And if you get stuck, plug your pastor in or plug a teacher in. If you get stuck, it's okay. Sometimes that will help you get back on the journey. I want you to know how much Dean and I love you. We pray for you. And we're most proud of those of you who are dealing with your own stuff. Because we are too. Did you hear that?
We are too. We are too. Why? Because he's transforming us into the image and likeness of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's doing it. The Holy Spirit's doing it. And if the Holy Spirit ever stops correcting you, it's just because you quit listening. Amen? Let's all stand. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.